All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. So the markets for the two Super Bowl participants are already up on the DK Sportsbook. That's right for next season. So here's how it looks for the back-to-back defending champs. Regular season win total is set at 10.5. To make the playoffs, they are minus 290. To win the AFC, plus 330. To win the Super Bowl, we're sitting at plus 650. Guys, Niners, plus 550, just ahead of them underdogs again can you believe it casey has obviously thrived in that role just ask our next guest who is standing by with gojo and golik yes awesome uh to be joined right now by two-time super bowl champion i gotta imagine that is the lead in has gotten pretty uh fun to hear over the last couple of weeks chiefs offensive guard trey smith kind enough to join us now trey how has it been basking in the glow of being a two-time super bowl champ for the last week or so here I mean, it's absolutely surreal, man. Um, Just hearing it, you know, for a little introduction like you just did, but, you know, just understand that winning two Super Bowls, especially back-to-back in that fashion, I mean, I'm nothing but uh, thankful and grateful for it, man. Yeah, three years in the league, two Super Bowl uh, victories, incredible. As Some guys will not even get to the game. You have already won two, and certainly a team poised to win more as well. Was the second one different than the first one to you in the experience? Yeah, I think it was. Uh, having that experience, I mean, as fresh as it was, you know, coming off the of Super Bowl the previous year, uh, just you know, you know what to expect to a certain degree in terms of the week, in terms of uh, everything that went into preparation for the week in the game. And that game against San Fran was was physical, man. You got to give a lot of credit and hats off to them, their organization for how they showed up and played. But I felt like the one uh, this past season, there was something special about this team. You know, the highs, the lows, ups and downs of the season, and still being able to persevere and get the win at the end of the day, be the world chance back to back. You mentioned the lows there. For you, in your mind, what was the low point of the season for you and the rest of this team? Yeah, for me personally, I would say it's probably losing to the Broncos. Um, that was a tough game, losing at Denver, um, as well as losing to the Raiders on Christmas Day. I mean, those are two uh, divisional rivals and teams that we usually don't lose to. But losing to the Raiders on Christmas Day was definitely a good little gut check for everyone to just sort of 
look back, reflect, and understand what can I do for this team? At the end of the day, you know, we're not playing and not executing at a high enough level. It's time to self-assess and see how much better we can be. You know, Trey, a lot Trey, of talk about Patrick mind, Mahomes. Sorry, Dad, to cut you off. I just had I one follow-up on that. Uh, you mentioned the Raiders there. Antonio Pierce, their head coach, was on Max, Pro- Cosby's podca- Max Crosby's podcast recently. Those are a lot of words to say. And <laughs> talked about the Mahomes rules, like the Jordan rules. Talked about mm. touching Mahomes up and having to cut off the head of the snake with 15. When you hear that as one of the guys protecting him, what's your thought? Yeah, you know, we play the Raiders two times a year. Um you know, they're a great team, um, you know, hats off to how they played, uh, obviously still won the game. And, you know, we look forward to playing them next year. And at the end of the day, like I said, we play them two times a year. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, they got the best of us that day. But we just got to execute at a better level and just be better overall in the game. But we'll see them. Yeah, we'll, we'll see them, like I said, twice a year. So it all gets answered on the field. That's kind of how, how the game works. You know, everyone talks about Patrick and finally having to go on the road uh, for the playoffs. Well, same goes for you. You haven't been in the league as long as Mahomes, but you've had home games as well until this year. So you go on the road and get it done. What was the talk amongst the team before you went on that first road playoff game for a lot of you? Yeah, you know, um, we, we try not to focus on outside noise, media, any distractions, things of that nature. Um, but I feel like you can just sort of feel the pressure as a player for this team that there was a lot of doubt out there. There was a lot of people that were saying, you know, you have no chance, no opportunity. So, you know, you go into the first uh, hostile environment like Buffalo, and that that was awesome. First off, uh, Bill's Mafia is insane. Uh, just driving through the streets, you know, he had old grandmothers and old people like flipping you off, throwing snowballs at your bus. <laughs> you get onto the field, they're, they're throwing ice chunks at you. I mean, that was sweet, man. You, you could feel the the hostility going in there. Then obviously going to the bank, uh, it was one of my favorite places to play at in my career. Uh, beautiful stadium. Baltimore fans are psychos too. And, you know, just being able to go to two hostile environments when you have a lot of doubt, when you have a lot of people not believing in your abilities and your team all together and being able to get it done, there's no better feeling than that. One of the things that amazed me about how you guys were able to get it done in all those environments, and I said, you guys have become such an adaptable team. You've won in so many ways now. Early in the playoffs, you guys batting down the hatches and you're getting into more two and three tight end sets and pounding the rock behind guys like you. And then all of a sudden you get into the Super Bowl and early on you mentioned the 49ers set a really physical tone. We see you guys still run the ball, but it did turn into more of the Pat Mahomes drop back stuff that we've seen in the past. What about your guys' preparation allows you to be able to execute so many things like that? What is it about what Andy Reid is doing behind closed doors with you guys that's made you, in my mind, the most adaptable uh, team in football? Yeah, you know, this offense is just so versatile. I mean, I think it almost goes all the way back to training camp in St. Joe's. Um, It's a grueling training camp. Uh, A lot's required out of us every single day. And it sort of sets the tone and the precedence for what we're going to be for the season. And I take it back to a special drill called long drive drill, where you can go to like 18 plays in a row. And those are gut checks you get every single day. And I think that really builds character of a team. And ultimately, we know when you have players like Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, a great receiving core, you know, as offensive linemen, we have confidence in ourselves and our abilities. We know we always have a chance to win. I mean, I got to give a shout out to our defense absolute stellar performance this entire season so that obviously helps as well too but I think we're just a very adaptable team we know whatever situation we need to be in however however we need to operate we're going to do it at a high level we're going to be just fine how do you feel after those 18 play drives 
not great. <laughs> not grabbing bro. <laughs> Man, Creed and I, it was like our rookie year, and uh, it, it was so hot. And we we're on play like 12. First, first long drive drill ever. Creed's just sitting there like hyperventilating. I'm barely standing up. And he just starts going, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, just screaming. I'm like, I started thinking, like, oh, my God, he's right. We got six more plays. So, yeah, no, th- those uh, <laughs> long drive drill is hell on earth. I'm already thinking. I'm, I'm already just shaking, thinking about it, man. It's around the corner. <laughs> I'm gonna say immediately starts getting ready for the next season already. The long drive bill making uh, Super Bowl champions out of the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I'd imagine in that vein too. And, and I'm curious because now his contract's gonna get talked about a lot this offseason. Chris Jones, who was a part of that defense, that was such a huge piece of why you guys did what you did this season as someone who I'm sure goes uh, goes up against him plenty during training camp and plenty in the offseason here, what about Chris Jones's game makes him one of the best defensive tackles in the league? Yeah, I remember going against Chris my rookie year and just being like, dang, this is NFL. You're ready, Rook. But uh, Chris <laughs> is special in terms of, um, one, a player of his size and stature, his ability to move and manipulate your body. Um, he's very efficient with his rush. Uh, he's always planning, you know, you can give Chris a certain look and he's going to adapt his rush very quickly to, to get on the edge, get a win. Um, one thing with Chris I always found interesting was, you know, two hand punching or really trying to punch him a lot of times isn't as effective because he likes to grab the hands and he's just very, he's very nice in his pass rush and how he manipulates that, but he's very unorthodox with his rush considering his size and what type of player he is. Uh, but yeah, man, Chris is an asset to this team. Um, love going against nine five. He makes me better every single time I go up against him. And, uh, you know, he's a heck of a player. Yeah, he uh, and he's about to uh, get a heck of a payday. Hopefully with the Chiefs, you're going to be in line for a heck of a payday at some point as well. So I, I as this team continues, and I'm guessing just because uh, uh, I know O-linemen pretty well, I'm going to guess it wasn't one of you O-linemen. Who was the first player to mention the word three-peat after you guys won that Super Bowl? <laughs> you know, I'm not even sure. Um it definitely wasn't an old lineman. We were uh, we were just too busy celebrating. <laughs> I would probably say it's one of those skills. I probably McColl. I, I give it to McColl Harmon. Probably the first one to say it. Not surprising, like you said, to be the skill guy and the one fresh off catching the touchdown that ultimately yeah. cements it for you guys there. Uh, Trey, I got to ask about that too. A lot got made of that end of game sequence there, the 49ers decision to take the ball in overtime and your guys' preparation for that moment. I know that started in training camp, but walk us through the, even the two weeks in the lead up to the Super Bowl. That was a situation you guys covered in detail about the new overtime rules that you were a part of changing? Yep, absolutely. Um, I remember it was like probably the week of the Miami game. Uh, We went over it the very first day we got back from a short break. Then we went over, I believe, the Friday before Miami. And then for the next couple of weeks for the playoffs to the Super Bowl, I think we went over about two times a week. So it's something that uh, as a team, we always just talk about it. Obviously, the rules adapted and changed. And coach wants to make sure everyone's on their P's and Q's before we go out there and, uh, you know, face what we're about to face. So it's something that we were well-versed and something that we discussed a lot. You know, we, we sit there and talk about, and before we brought you on, Jesse gave already the odds uh, that uh, San Francisco is more favor- favored over you guys for the Super Bowl, and we talk about that. And I understand how you guys don't want to listen to the outside noise. So how was it last offseason, after you won the Super Bowl, preparing for the next, uh, th- this coming year, where you won it again as far as, okay, we're at the top of the mountain. What do we need to do to stay there? And what will be that talk this offseason? 
Yeah, you know, I think ultimately we knew once you win a Super Bowl, you're going to get everybody's best shot. And, you know, we saw it first week with uh, Detroit. Uh, they played a heck of a game. Uh, they had a heck of a year as well. Uh, great job Dan Campbell's done with that team and organization. Uh, but we understood that every single time we face somebody, we are carrying that that asterisk next to our name, you know, world champions from that previous season. That's the beautiful thing about football. No one cares. You know, if I'm a, if I'm an opposing player and I'm playing, I'm, I want to give my best shot, my best opportunity, because you guys are supposed to be the greatest. You guys are supposed to be on top of the game. So we we understood that going into it in terms of uh, how it fueled us, you know, from a certain way. Like, you understand what it takes every single time. You're going to get their best shot, their best attempt, their best plays. You're going to get their all every time. So it was something we took in consideration, but ultimately we knew we had to focus on ourselves. We had to execute at a high level. We had to operate at a high level. We had to be consistent in our approach every single day. You mentioned focusing on yourself. I want to turn it on you for a second as you get ready for this offseason. I've said you've been the tone setter for this Kansas City team up front, the way that you approach the physicality of football, and that's been true going all the way back to your time at Tennessee. So now as you're getting into your career and starting to become a veteran guy, what is the thing that you're focusing on? Where's the place that you believe your game can go to the next level even still? Yeah, um, I think just overall approach and pass pro like I still have things I can work out in my games where I can really be elite uh, but I think the biggest thing really is just consistency in my game that's something that I'm trying to approach is trying to be better at it and in terms of processing on the fly making better decisions you know that's, those are things I'm trying to focus on so I can take my game to the next level because I have goals aspirations I want for myself but you know at the end of the day I know what my calling card is I'm a tone setter I'm gonna go out there I'm gonna beat you up man I'm gonna set the tone from jump to the finish and you know that's what I'm here for that's my job but at the end of the day, just being more consistent with what I do at a high level, and that's what I need to do. And you've been doing it since rookie year on, no doubt about that. I I'm wondering, a lot always talk about Andy Reid, and we know the kind of food, uh, uh, the, the foodie that he is. How often does he sit down in training camp with the O-line and eat? So not in training camp, just because our, our, our schedules are so different from our coaches. You know, a lot of times they might be in there a lot earlier or a little bit later than we are, so... Not not generally during that time period. I think I think the best time to travel with Coach Reed is probably like the Saturday night in the hotel before a game. Uh, we have a, we have a heck of a spread, but uh, usually those are pretty good times <laughs> to go ahead and chow down a lot of food, man. A lot of good stuff in there. I was gonna say I saw the article that he's strictly a Haagen Dazs ice cream yeah. man. Does that make his way? Is that the only thing available to you guys? Yeah, that, that's one of the uh, many. More the, a plethora of foods that are, that are made available to us that night. But uh, once again, it's a spread, and uh, that's why I love being a chief. Things like that, the little things, man. It's awesome. <laughs> wow. That's a beautiful a thing. <laughs> so, so uh, Trey, I have to ask you, and I, I've tried to avoid bringing up the Taylor Swift of it all, but you guys <laughs> did have that as a factor in this season. What was that experience like for you dealing with that added layer of attention on this team from outside of the world of sports? Pop culture always reminds us how much bigger it is. So what was that like? Because I saw a picture I thought of at the club after the Super Bowl win the Chiefs' offensive line looked like they had formed a perimeter around Taylor Swift. I couldn't see if you were in that picture or not, but did you guys take that on yourself to protect Pop's biggest star that night? Yeah, I usually don't like talking about uh, Travis and Taylor, their relationship, but, you know, I have to say this. Every time I've met Taylor, she's been super sweet, uh, an amazing human being in terms of just someone you can easily talk to. You talk about an artist who's at the absolute top of her game as well. So it's very cool just seeing that she can still be at a personal level and come and talk to you and there's no ego involved. But 
you know, it's it's been really cool. Um, ultimately, you know, I'm just happy for them. And I don't want to talk too much about their relationship, but it's just really cool to see. Well, let, let's let's go to the other Kelsey then. What was it like having a Hall of Fame offensive lineman, Jason Kelsey, walking into your after party with a mask and a cape on? Were you looking at him going, my God, is this what I'm going to turn into in another 12 years? <laughs> Bro, Jason's awesome, man. Every time I've talked to Jason, that, how can you not love that guy? You know what I mean? So, honestly, dude, just watch him walk in, and he's on DJ. It was crazy. It's like, what's going on? But, you know, that's Jason Kelsey, man. He doesn't care. But I love that guy. Uh, like I said, nothing but respect and admiration for him as a person and his game on the field. So, Trey, as you get ready to now move into the offseason and have some time before you've got to get back to long drive drill and all those things that come up, it leaves a lot of time for debate and other things here. And I'd be remiss if I didn't get to what I saw pop up on your timeline yesterday. I know you're a man of many interests here, and I saw this hypothetical <laughs> fight, so I need your breakdown of this right now. You got asked by your buddy Marquez Valdez-Scantling, great wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs, about who would win in a fight between Superman and Thor. I've heard a lot of Superman and Batman before i haven't heard superman and thor so what's your breakdown of this fight and who ultimately gets the dub yeah man um ultimate breakdown man of steel is a man of steel i mean it's hard to go up against superman he's superman for a reason um laser eye vision super i mean faster than the speed of light all these different things super strength i mean he's dope right but just one word kryptonite kryptonite you have thor son of asgard from space uh, uh, one of the people of many realms, you know, I think Thor would mop Superman with a little bit of kryptonite. I think he stands no chance. Thor is also a magical being. Apparently, that's the one thing Superman is really weak against. I think it's a match made in heaven. Give me Thor over Superman. The whole near to the neck after he's weakened by kryptonite. I, I think that's what has to happen is he has to make the hammer, the head of the hammer, kryptonite. If he does that, mm -hmm. he definitely has the chance to do it. But before you came on, you know, Jesse brought up um, the fact that the real loser of all this would be the city they fight in, right? Because 100%. they would, someone would save the city, but then you look at the city and it would be in rubble. It, it, it would be stone and broken glass everywhere because they would destroy the city. Yeah, I mean, it'd be an absolute catastrophe for the citizens of all. So wait, Trey Smith's favorite superhero of all time then is who? Ooh. I'd probably go I'd probably go Thor. To me, Thor is a really dope superhero. Thor or Iron Man, more of a uh, more of a Marvel guy. Oh, okay. Understandable. I think a, a lot more of a stable franchise there overall. Some pretty good characters and some pretty good picks there. So, uh, Trey, I'm sure that argument and more are going to be plenty enough to keep you busy uh, this offseason, certainly. Uh, on the way out, certainly, and I didn't want to you know, make you answer to this too much here, did want to send our condolences to you and all the guys and certainly everyone in Chiefs Kingdom for what went on at the parade. I know uh, there's a lot of stories that have come out about you and, and what you were doing to help try and console some people who were going through a rough time during that parade, some young kids that were around in that area. So just wanted to say, we hope you're doing well. Kudos to you and the guys for the way you've responded in the wake of that. And uh, certainly hope and will not be surprised to see Kansas city wrap its arms around the people that were affected by that. Absolutely. I appreciate it. You know, Kansas city will unite, you know, we're going to stand strong. We'll be together. And uh, you know, just hats off to my teammates, the way they reacted uh, guys like Austin Ryder, Chris, all Oladuken. Uh, James Winchester, guys that 
in the moment when people were panicking, they were calm, collected, and helping navigate and help people through that situation. But, you know, uh, there's no need for senseless violence, especially in the United States of America, in this country, uh, in Kansas City. And, you know, our hearts and our, our thoughts are with the victims and the families involved. No, absolutely could not have said it better. And, and your guys' reaction and leadership in that situation will continue to be why that city is able to heal from this. Trey, congratulations again, man. Two-time Super Bowl champ in such a short time in your career. <laughs> it's been awesome to watch. Enjoy the offseason, and we'll uh, get ready for you guys to try and do this all again next year. Let's do it. Thanks, you guys, for having me on. Thanks, Trey. Awesome stuff, as always. Dad, I, I always said as a, as a football player and as an offensive lineman, we all go out there trying to knock everybody's head off. You want to be the guy that's the tone yeah. setter. But physically, a guy like me, I could want that all I want. Physically, it wasn't going to happen nine out of ten times. With Trey Smith, when that man wants people moved and people on the ground, it happens, and it happens expeditiously. Yeah, I saw him right on the field, shook his hand after they won the championship, looked up at him and said, man, I'm glad I ain't playing ball now. Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge. You grab the bull by the horns. You find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice-cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there and you get to that little clubhouse there and they've always got the candy bar options. And I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. I hate how stupid we are here at Gojo and Golik. We just had this great yeah. interview with Trey Smith, who's in addition to being one of the best young O linemen in the league, just a great all around dude. He's incredibly composed and mature for his yep. age. And we somehow devolved this back into an argument about Superman and Thor with him that spills over into the break. And I just can't understand dad, your position where you're glorifying Superman this much acting like Thor is not an actual God. Like I understand the kryptonite thing, but when you put up the tail of the tape for both of them, they are both aliens. They are technically not from this world. I think people need to remember right. that about right. Superman's lore, yep. but Thor is a literal God. And the, while the hammer, yep. the hammer is a nice garnish. I don't think it's the only thing that has him powerful. So here's the thing, and one of the reasons we didn't bring it up earlier with Trey, because going way back to my Mike and Mike days when we brought up the fact, is, is Batman a superhero, of which he is not, and Greeny said he was, it took over like a week of shows. And we didn't want to do that with Trey. Unless Trey was going to come back this segment, we could have devoted the whole time to this. 
Superman is the greatest superhero of all time. Okay? Now, Thor, I love Thor. Don't get me wrong. I love Thor. But Thor, A, needs the hammer. And B, to beat Superman he would need, need the, the hammer. hammer. He does hold not on, need the hold hammer. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. To beat Superman, I know at times he hasn't had the hammer. To beat Superman, he would need the hammer, and he would need the hammer head to be kryptonite or some or bring in kryptonite. That's the thing. You need to bring in kryptonite to beat Superman. Superman doesn't need to bring in anything to beat anybody else. He's big, he's faster, stronger than anybody out there, has the laser vision as well. I'm sorry. Now, would would they end up not even hurting each other <laughs> the way Jesse said and destroy a whole city? Probably. But you're telling me if one had to go in this, there had to be a winner and a loser. Superman is winning this. Superman is winning this thing. Uh, I, I, I think this is asinine, the way you're just dismissing his status as an actual deity in this conversation and ignoring that he his power is not derived from the hammer. The hammer is additive. It helps him channel it in certain different ways, but the power does not come from the hammer. It's an extension of him. So you strip that, you still have a god going up against a guy that's got different reactions to the sun and to kryptonite. Like, make up your mind, you baby. Are you an alien freak with these powers or are you someone who just suffers from seasonal depression like the rest of us? Yeah. Oh man. So you so you like Jesse and like Trey think Thor would beat Superman. You're, uh, you guys are out of your uh, mind. No, no, no. I didn't say Thor would beat Superman. I don't think either of them is defeating the other one. They're just trading blows and destroying cities as we go. There's no winner here. Like, I don't think anybody's getting the death blow. It's just like, oh, we fight another day and we destroy Chicago tomorrow. Like, it's just city by city, just taking them Like down. every great comic book franchise, they stay alive long enough to just get us to a sequel and then another sequel and then the yep. big movie where everyone groups up together, world without end, amen, except for the city blocks that all get completely annihilated here. Uh, Dad, speaking of things getting annihilated already, apparently the powers that be in college football already want to dust away the 12-team playoff in favor of a 14-team. I thought we just got done with all this, and yesterday I opened up the timeline, and I see Pete Thamel at ESPN and Chris Vanini over at The Athletic reporting that apparently the college football commissioners got together yesterday and discussed growing the field to 14 teams or more in 2026 and beyond. They said, the quote from Mike Oresco, the AAC conference commissioner, was, we discussed everything with no conclusions and dad when you look at the timeline of this offseason it makes you wonder i saw uh this laid out here you look at the timeline for this offseason and it was hey there was supposedly a 12 team playoff agreed on then espn and the playoff reportedly had a tv deal then they actually didn't have a deal and now this is coming up a day after we thought we had settled all this stuff the greed from these people just refuses to end and i think you can center it on the big 10 and the sec they get together, they start having that handshake talk, and now all of a sudden, what would come with expansion? The idea of more automatic qualifiers for the two biggest conferences on the planet right now that believe that they deserve more than everybody else at this juncture because the rest of the sport has kind of indicated that that's the case. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess I understand if you say we're in a meeting and everything is discussed, right? Uh, I, I get it. You're just Because a 17, you'd have... Or 14 team, you'd have a couple of buys. 16 team, you wouldn't have any buys at all. You just play a straight 16 team tournament there. I, I can understand everything being discussed. 
Um, I'll, I'll be interested. Look, we'll all be interested, right? This will be the first year of the 12-team model next year. And how does it go? And do they want to add to it or change it in a couple of years? You're talking about those other systems uh, after 2026. So I don't mind the discussion of that. And and let's let's be honest. It's not the first group or the last group that's going to discuss things that revolve around what can get us more money. I mean, because that's what this whole thing is about anyway. So I, I get, because we all talked about that, right, too? When it was going to go away from four, it's like, should it be a six team? Should it be an eight team? Should it be 12? Should it be 16? You know, there are a lot of variations out there. So I understand discussing them all, and now we've, we've honed in on 12, and I guess we have to just wait and see how long that goes or how well it goes, how the process goes before you decide you want to add more. I think there's a lot of people understandably worried about college football's regular season becoming, quite honestly, what's happened with college basketball's regular season, where from a national perspective, it's lost a lot of its bite because the tournament's so big and everyone gets in for the most part that you look up and go, all right, I'll just pick this up in March and we'll figure it out because the regular season also has very little bearing on how that tournament goes because once you go single elimination and not series, you introduce randomness into the equation. And I think there's some worry, understandably, that that would be the case. College football is one of the best regular seasons in sport right now and this is already getting to that point and that's before we even get to and i don't harp on this much because none of the decision makers actually care about this this is more lebitard's beat but at some point you've got a labor force that while they're getting money isn't paid by their bosses here in college football that is also having to this dictated to them without any sort of ability to affect the outcome in the NFL, when they want to expand the playoffs or when they want to expand the regular season, what happens, Dad? They go and have to collectively bargain and negotiate with some players, right. and the players get something out of it. College football players aren't getting a damn thing out of this right now other than more people complaining that their increased rights are the things that are ruining the sport and not all these conference commissioners and TV executives deciding the future of it on a much larger scale. And so I do at some point, like we got to reach a limit where the winning team is going to play something like 17 games right now in college. That's not something where you add that and they see no increased value on their end. That doesn't equate to me, and we're just keeping growing this thing on the whims of a bunch of conference commissioners that just need to go on freaking vacation and let us sit for a while. Yeah, I, listen, I get that. More games, but but the player, I, I'm sure now the commissioners more than ever will think, well, the players are getting paid now, so we're going to go more games. Well, you know, health and safety, let's throw that out the window. Health and safety is not too concerned about anymore. It's what you can fit in around it. Uh, you'll mention the words health and safety, and we mentioned it in the NFL with a 17-game schedule, and oh my God, do we go on an 18-game schedule? Oh my God, they're playing on Thursdays where health and safety gets mentioned as a term, but as soon as you figure out how to make more money from it, no one gives a damn anymore. What Turf the same way, natural grass, regular turf. So the number of games for players uh, in college, how many do they play, but they'll dad, justify they're that. they more income from that. It's going into the players' pockets as well because you've got a revenue share there. The college players aren't right. getting any of that. <clears throat> No, they're not, and they have no rights to get it right now. So, and so, what, all of a sudden, you're expecting the the commissioners to start caring about the players. I mean, they're no, they're not going I'm, to. I'm not expecting. I'm not expecting them to. I'm just saying, at some point, the rest of us kind of need to address this and at least bring it up. I mean, I, maybe it's just so, saying it to make ourselves feel better, but it's a reminder they're just wantonly ignoring these players and their physical needs. Right. I, I guess that's the point. 
the players have no one to bring that up for. We can bring it up. We can yell. We can scream about it. But there's nobody to, on this player side to protect. The only thing the player does now is when their team's not in it, they don't play in the bowl game, you know, to get ready for the NFL. Bingo. You know, that's it. So uh, so the players have nobody on their side to say, wait a minute, we shouldn't be playing 16 games to win the national championship. You're just kind of along for the ride now. You are, and it's why I'm sick and tired of people blaming player transfers for all these college coaches leaving for the NFL. Look around. This is so much bigger than what the players are doing just trying to get themselves out of a bad situation. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. NBA All-Star break is over, and we are being treated to a full slate of 12 games tonight. Teams returning to action. We have the Western Conference taking center stage on TNT. The national spotlight. First, you have Suns, Mavs, 730. So both jockeying for position in that middle area of the West standings. Mavs riding a six-game win streak going into the break. They're two-and-a-half-point home favorites against Phoenix. Then at 10 o'clock, you got two teams coming in hot, okay? Warriors and Lakers, Golden State, winners of eight of their last ten. L.A. looking for four in a row. Warriors, five-and-a-half-point favorites at home in this one. LeBron sitting out to rest his sore ankle. Clippers, Thunder, Knicks, Sixers also on the slate. Like I said, it's a full one, 12 games. Guys, how excited are we for the games to be starting up again after the NBA All-Star break? And now maybe some some of the talking about crazy stuff will go away? <laughs> I, I I mean, fascinated to see J.J. Reddick's first game back in the booth. What the conversation turns to. I know we're all forming a prayer circle around him getting one of the Bucks TV games this weekend. And while I doubt that's going to happen for a number of reasons... Uh, Dad, it, it has been, it will be a nice break from the inside baseball and the media that's gone on in recent days. Is there one team in particular down the stretch that you're most excited to watch? Well, I mean, I, I want to see if if the Milwaukee can pull themselves out of what they're in, right? I mean, Giannis at the beginning of the season said we need help here, you know, and they brought in Dame who finally left Portland after that whole, you know, saga where he didn't want to leave. You know, he was the Mike Trout of the NBA but finally does leave. So you make that team there, but it's been Boston in the East that has really kind of 
uh, starting to run away and hide a little bit. The Cavaliers have been an incredible surprise. And the Knicks are one of those universal teams, right? You either love them or hate them. And here they are kind of in the, in, in the, in the, the midst of, of being one of the better teams, Jalen Brunson and what he's been doing and, and such, a, such a fun, emotional guy uh, to watch how he gets into games. So there's a lot of good storylines. Does Minnesota and Oklahoma City, maybe that's it for me. Can they hang on? You know, one of those spots, or are we going to see the the old man and the you know the old men? I should say with the Clippers, avoid missing time with injuries and kind of get to the end of the season. Where will they be? And Denver sitting in the four slot there. Will they end up at the top? Because you have only what six games separating the top six teams in the West. So you think think there can be some shuffling there, but. That's one of the main things I'm interested in is can Minnesota and Oklahoma City hang on to that one-two slot? I think it might be the Clippers just to see if we can get another round of James Harden versus the Western Conference Finals. This place where he's traditionally run out of gas, this place where we've seen him go through these massive shooting slumps and not be able to quite get over the hump during so much of his tenure with the Rockets. Can this finally be different for a Clippers team that seems to have harnessed and weaponized Kawhi Leonard more regularly this year with his battles with injury, James Harden in a way that he hasn't been used before and is being productive in a place that people didn't think? I think they quietly become one of the most interesting teams down the stretch if they can stay healthy because of how potent they are basketball-wise. But, Dan, I'm with you. This feels like such a basketball hipster take, but I don't know if it is anymore. Oklahoma City, man, this is a rose growing through concrete. We talked about it all the time when they were in the waning days of some of the star power that was at that organization. It should not be able to happen. A market of that size we've talked about doesn't normally give you the option and ability to attract a bunch of high-profile free agents like a lot of these other places. You've got to go about team building differently. And Sam Presti sat for years and developed and stockpiled that war chest. He turned the departing superstars into assets that have now been built up to a team that might be the Denver Nuggets in a few years, Dad. Like, I think we talked to Amin Al Hassan at the start of the show today, and he brought up that this veteran status in the postseason in basketball does matter a ton. Having the experience of having, and we've seen that reflected. Denver for years was a team that was up near that one seed spot, but never was able to get over the hump. The same thing for the Toronto Raptors in the Eastern Conference who would put their foot down on the gas because when you're a young team, you don't know better in the regular season and you go hard in a way that I think a lot of your veteran peers don't. Guys like LeBron James and Steph Curry who understand how to engage their bodies for a long and deep postseason run. But we see eventually that experience start to add up. And certainly for Sacramento, that can be the case after what they did last year. But I'm fascinated to watch not this Oklahoma City team necessarily getting over the mountaintop this year, but can this very young, potent core where Shea Gilgis Alexander's a legitimate MVP candidate behind Nikola Jokic, can they get enough experience to all of a sudden be one of those teams we start banking on consistently because of how they've built that team this year? Yeah, uh, that 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 is obviously something to keep an eye on. There's also the game tonight, uh, Sands-LeBron, Golden State and the Lakers. We talked about Steph. We talked about LeBron. We talked about the game we got a while back that went two overtimes where those two went off. They play two more times this year in the regular season. They currently hold the 9 and 10 slot. So even if they both made the playoffs in that area, they wouldn't meet in the playoffs till the, the, the Western Conference Finals given where they would be were seated. So are we seeing the last couple of possibilities after this game when they have two more of these two playing in the teams that are constituted the way they are right now? Now, 
Do we think LeBron's going to be with the Lakers next year and they'll try to make one more run on his player option? We all think the kind of the core of Golden State is going to be gone, right? Between Draymond and Clay and Steph. Clay already, you know, coming off the, wasn't at the end of the game uh, for a while and then has been coming off the bench. So are we seeing kind of the end of this, these two guys in the runs they're having with their teams? Or are we going to squeeze another year out of it? I don't know. Yeah, I, I do think still ultimately this is a Lakers team that's primed to make a big enough move this offseason to be enticing. We've heard from enough of the people in LeBron's camp, whether it's been Rich Paul or others publicly, who have talked about LeBron's desire to end his career as a Los Angeles Laker. But that at the very least, what we're going to get is probably a fresh batch of sound of people on Golden State side getting asked about that trade from around the All-Star break and that potential before the trade deadline. Since that news sort of broke over that weekend, we heard LeBron get asked about it. And we think maybe stretch the truth a little bit in that spot. But it's a good reminder for both of those teams, too. They're going to be playing teams, I think, more often than not. I don't know if they're going to be able to make up enough ground to really pull themselves out of there. And that's a handful right. for a lot of these teams that you talked about. Minnesota is the one seed in the West. Have not done it with this core. We weren't sure if they were able going to do it. And now Rudy Gobert looking like the likely defensive player of the year, meshing with Carl Anthony Towns and Ant-Man, has got them in a position where through the regular season it looks strong. But man, you get around LeBron or Steph or these guys that have done it at the mountaintop, especially if it's in a short stint. Like either of those teams is capable of winning a series in the playoff. I don't think at this point we're primed for another deep postseason run like we saw from the Lakers last year. But either of them could sneak up and bite one of these teams that might not be as ready for the moment right now. And so it does present a huge challenge on that side that I don't know if exists in the East in the same way, Dad. Really, in the East, we asked Mean about the Knicks as a team that he thought could upset the apple cart. But besides that, like, I don't know what to do with the 76ers at this point because without Joel Embiid and even yeah. if they get him back late, that doesn't seem like it's primed yeah. for any sort of long-term success there. So it basically becomes, are the Boston Celtics going to screw this up or not? I, I, I really don't know the answer at this point because we've got a bunch of recent history with this core that suggests they've found a way to lose in these particular situations, but they've been so much better than the rest of the class so far. Yeah, that's, again, where I go. I'm interested in Milwaukee, not just with the Doc Rivers drama and the defense the way it was when he got there, but the fact, what, they're three and seven in their last ten, and I think seven of those games they didn't have their full starting lineup. You got Middleton with that ankle injury that he hurt, uh, I think, February 6th. So I'm interested to see what this team does on a consistent basis in the 20-some-odd games they have left if they can get their full lineup in or even if it's not until the playoffs, if they can get some time in with that full lineup to see what they could do. Uh, because I know the Cavaliers have been a surprise. Everyone is really you know, happy about the Knicks. But to me, it's still Milwaukee with their full lineup, barring any more injuries, if they can get to that, of what they can do on a consistent basis when you get the series in the playoffs. For a great breakdown of the NBA's home stretch in the second half, you can head over to vsin.com for their great NBA at the break betting primer. It's got team tiers for the second half of the year, futures conversation about the potential MVPs, as well as teams that are on the outside looking in of a postseason run right now. Plenty of great action to check out over there. And a lot of the teams that we've talked about today that are mercifully all getting back to action tonight. Coming up next, we finish off the show the way we always do with this, that, and the third and see-through baseball pants taking the league by storm.
DraftKings Casino is bringing you only the best. Classics like blackjack, roulette, and slots, plus exclusive games you won't find anywhere else. I love blackjack. I love making football and blackjack analogies. I think they're really similar games. Both require incredible strategic knowledge. What are you going to do on third down, fourth down, in the red zone becomes when are you going to split, double, and stay? And of course, it's the ultimate team game. We got to work together to defeat our common enemy in the dealer, same way I had to work together with the offensive line to protect the quarterback and get a win over our opponent. You can get all that action by downloading the DraftKings Casino app now and using code GOLICPOD. New players get an instant deposit match up to $100 in casino credits when you deposit $5 or more. That's code GOLICPOD only on DraftKings Casino casino the crown is yours gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in connecticut help is available for problem gambling call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org please play responsibly 21 plus physically present in connecticut michigan new jersey pennsylvania west virginia only void in ontario eligibility and other restrictions apply one per new customer must opt in and make minimum five dollar deposit within seven days 168 hours of registering new account max match 100 in casino credits which require one-time playthrough within seven days that's 168 hours see terms at casino.draftkings.com slash new player offer 2024 Time to finish off the show the way we always do. This, that, the third. Three quick stories to send you off into the rest of your day. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review us. Leave us a five-star rating and check us out here live from 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday on DraftKingsNetwork.com, our YouTube channel, Samsung TV+, Plus, Roku, a bevy of streaming services, as well as the best of Gojo and Golik on VSIN wherever you get them on radio from noon to 1 p.m. Eastern. You'll get an hour best of the show we do here. But if you miss any of it live or can't catch it there on VSIN's airwaves, or our great guest, thanks to Amin El Hassan, our NBA analyst here at DKN, co-host of the Oddball Podcast, and two-time Super Bowl champion offensive lineman Trey Smith, who both joined us today. You can get that wherever you get your podcast, or available right here on YouTube as soon as we get done with the show. And guys, let's get to this. Baseball is in spring training, and that means we've gotten a fat, a fat new batch of uniform outrage. Major League Baseball's new <laughs> uniforms this year that are technically Nike uniforms, but that are produced by fanatics, have a very unique feature involved in them. <laughs> See-through pants. Now, yes. uh, there's been plenty of people that have talked about baseball butts and lower bodies for a long time, but rarely have we gotten this x-ray view of things. And it, it's prompted a lot of an outcry, Dad, from fans who look at the overall quality of these uniforms where some of the markings are a little off or uneven. The quality seems to have dipped a bit here as Major League Baseball and Nike have sort of this to, outsourced this all to fanatics, this gigantic apparel producer. So uh, how would you feel about having to go out there and do your job and see through pants, Dad? Well, I mean, I would hope it wouldn't rain. Um, you know, that uh, wet pants can happen there. That might be, uh, yeah. Didn't you get pants one time in a high school football game in front of the cheerleaders? Oh. Uh, no, it wasn't high school. I was 10 years old. I was oh, no. the option quarterback. And I uh, ran an option, and everybody went for the dive, and I kept the ball running around end. And I was also the biggest player on the team, so I knew I was going to get caught. And the first guy that tried to tackle me dove, and he grabbed his arms around my waist and pulled my pants all the way down, but I didn't fall. So I kept running, but I was like, you know, couldn't run very much because my pants were up my ankles. So I eventually got tackled right where all the cheerleaders were with my pants down. Yeah. Oh, no. So that was uh, – 
was not a great moment oh, uh, a at all trauma at memory. 10. Yeah, now being a professional athlete in see-through pants, uh, yeah, that uh, that's only going to lead to bad things. I yeah. guess, well, you know, I won't get too technical. I guess it could be good things, depending on the person. <laughs> I'm going to say, so. listen, sex sells, we'll and maybe there. that's what baseball is trying to lean yeah. into here, is that sex sells in sports. <laughs> They need these guys to show a little skin to keep these ratings going after the pitch clock from last year. And so uh, we'll see there. But it, it it is interesting, to say the least, to see this showing up on picture day. Like, these are the good photos that they could doctor yeah. and edit. Yeah. Like, this isn't even us getting in on cameras live now. They're able to go in here and sepia this and throw all the filters they want on to make this look good. And yet we still have Shohei Itani looking like he's wearing briefs in this picture with a little bit of, like, a satin overlay. Very it's odd kinda, stuff. They are giving, uh, from Major League Baseball's uniforms. It's giving chaps, and I think it's great. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, you know what? Wow. Don't talk about it then, Major League Baseball. Be about it. Just have them play in chaps and go on out and see what happens <laughs> since that's the world you're inching <laughs> towards anyway. Uh, Jesse, let's uh, uh, inch toward that, uh, which is disco bathroom marriage is all I know. Yeah. Um, so if you could guess where the disco bathroom marriage took place, would Kentucky be in your top three? Because you would be correct. So... A Kentucky yeah. couple recently tied the knot. They had their first dance in the bathroom of their local Valor Oil gas station. It isn't exactly a normal gas station bathroom. You've seen like videos of this uh, go viral on social media. It's a disco bathroom. It has a, a disco ball and music when you hit a button on the wall. So you can, you know, I don't understand the purpose of this. If you're not, uh, if you're not getting married, do you just go in there to use the bathroom and decide you're gonna have a disco moment by yourself? I'm not sure how this came to be. I just know that uh, this couple got married there. They had their reception inside the gas station. They were cutting a cake in the gas station. To each their own, but at the same time, like, why did you do that? So, so as I'm looking at this, the bride works at the Hop Shop convenience store. She walked down the candy aisle to the toilet, or the <laughs> altar in this case, to meet the waiting groom. So this is where she works. This is a more, listen, if they're both into it, if it makes them both happy, she works there doing their thing, more power to them. Certainly not something I think most people would do. Uh, obviously, maybe it was more her idea, and the last thing in the world he's going to do is say no, uh, as any groom would, just kind of go along with it. But man, that's that's got to be an odd one there. That's a tough call. Well, the so groom... the husband posted on Facebook and said, "In every hater's mouth, they love talking about us, even if they think about us. A, we're famous. We're even on the radio and news station. I love you, baby, Tiana Hope Abney. They're just making us stronger and more popular, rife with spelling mistakes and a whole bunch of grammatical errors. It's ah! flawless. The thing that I was struck by this is when the disco ball plays in the bathroom, it plays Dancing Queen, and it's a good reminder that every situation is elevated by the presence of ABBA. As soon as Dancing Queen hits the airwaves, I don't care what race, creed, class, color you are, Dancing Queen, in my mind, unites us all being one of the premier bangers of my lifetime. I can just tell you, though, that as like a heavily pregnant woman, if I was about to pee my pants and I ran into the bathroom of this gas station and I flicked the light on and the lights went off and a disco ball came on and Dancing Queen started playing, I would immediately leave because I would be under the impression that I was being videotaped or something. Like, I just...
just, there's just <laughs> no way I would go sit my butt on that toilet. You wouldn't dance and jive and have the time of your life? No, I would be like, okay, I'm about to be murdered. I'm about to be kidnapped. I'm about to, like, it's time to go. <laughs> like, no. You know no. what? A fair assumption in the world and a reminder of the privilege that men have walking into most situations, not having to be afraid of those things. Yeah. Uh, check it, fellas. Yeah. And remember, it's a real thing. Jesse, let's get to the third here as uh, the Nuggets pull a little remix for our boy Nikola Jokic. Yeah, okay. So Jokic's agent, in 2022, took to Instagram to share a photo of a five-year-old Jokic wearing a Nuggets sweatshirt in Serbia, okay? So he was, like, saying that this story of how, you know, because Jokic had signed his big deal and everything, he had this Denver merch in Serbia 23 years ago. Absolutely insane. Now, in the coolest move ever, the official Nuggets team store has remade the sweatshirt. And you can go buy it at the store. And it is so sick. I want one. They look amazing. I mean, it's just like. That's cool. Look at how cool that is. And how insane is it? The Jokic, five-year-old Jokic in Serbia was wearing that sweatshirt. I mean, some things are just meant to be, Dad. And a man who loves horses more than anything and apparently just had a small pension for the Denver. You know, maybe this is our signal that deep down, Nikola Jokic has always loved basketball a little bit more than he wants to let on. I don't see a horse on that sweatshirt. I figured he'd have just walked around and been like the Ken guys in the Barbie movie and been strictly a horse dude. But, uh... While we'd like to sit here and talk about Nikola Jokic fashion, we do want to say our farewell to our wonderful friend, Jesse Cofield. It is her last show yes. before going on maternity leave here, getting ready to Baja blast this baby out. Jesse, we love you. We're excited for your family. We can't wait to obviously have you all back around here eventually, but enjoy the time finally getting this baby out and then getting to hang out with the whole new family. Thank you guys so much. I'm so excited to not be pregnant anymore. And when I when I come back, we will finally do the show and I won't be pregnant because I've been pregnant the entire time we've been doing this show. So it's going to be exciting. You, yeah. I, I want to know what you're going to finally say to all your girlfriends that, that got it in your mind that you are going to give birth early. Now, you still can. You're a week away from your actual due date, so we all hope it is going to go early. But I think you've gotten some bad advice from some of your friends that uh, – you may, if you go full term, I'm sure you'll be taking it out on them. But either way, we obviously wish you all the best. Uh, everything goes smoothly. Everybody is uh, healthy, wealthy, and wise through the whole thing. And uh, and we get a new new young person in the world. Yeah, I'll let you guys know how it goes. I'll let you know when I Baja Blast this baby out. <laughs> and when Jesse comes back, it's nothing but cold cuts and margaritas around here on the show every <laughs> single day. Jesse unleashed. If you want to send Jesse some well wishes, do it in the comments. Download, subscribe, rate, review us. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. Wishing her well on this. We love you, Jesse. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. We'll talk to everybody else tomorrow. I was going to say, that's the thing about it. You need something to beat Superman. Yeah. Superman doesn't need anything to beat everybody. That's why Superman has always been my favorite. <laughs> Thor would need kryptonite. <laughs> Thor is just not straight up beating Superman. He would need kryptonite. Superman has everything I he don't needs really already. I know if he's not straight up beating him. Like, he's got lightning. I was going to say, like, Superman's what if, got lightning. They can both fly. 
they're both basically like made of steel. Like I remember there was that scene in the Avengers where old girl was feeling on Thor's body passed out on the table. It's like, he feels like metal or whatever she said. Like yeah. it's, they're not a far if, cry. They're both aliens. What, what if he gets the hammer from him? What if he gets the hammer? What if Thor doesn't have the hammer? Again, Thor needs <laughs> something. Thor needs the hammer. He, he doesn't Superman need the hammer. Need he went without the hammer for a while in this movie. In one of those movies. There was a stretch yeah. where he didn't have Mjolnir. Well, well uh, that, that's fine. He went against others. He couldn't... Could, I don't think he could beat Superman unless the hammer was kryptonite. Now take the hammer away, he'll be able to beat other superheroes. He ain't beating Superman without the hammer. Not happening. He's a god. Yeah, yeah. he's a god. So...